You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that we would know what it means to have your spirit living within us and that we might trust in you to raise up individuals and develop in us the gifts necessary to do the work you have called us to do to take the gospel to the end of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're still talking about spiritual gifts this morning here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the context of all of this is that God, by the power of his spirit, actually creates gifts within his people. Uh, gifts for the edification of the body, as we're told here in verse or. Last week in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. And of course, all of this is for the common good. Now, remember, Paul is talking about the individual congregation here in Corinth and the things that are plaguing them. And the thing that that really the Corinthian congregation lacks, which we're going to get to next week, is love. Because these gifts need to be set in the context of love, which uh, hopefully uh, I will do in the nave services next week, and whoever's in here will do it uh, in this service. Uh, But really, uh, how God calls us together as a body. Now, when the Bible talks about the church and here in the body, we need to be really clear about what the Bible is talking about. Because when we talk about church, we get all kinds of notions as to what the church is. But the Bible is actually very specific in how it speaks about who the church is, what the church does, and what the church looks like. Namely, that when Paul here speaks of the body, he's talking about the congregation in Corinth. Because the church is the earthly manifestation of the heavenly gathering. And so those around the world who gather together in the name of the Lord Jesus around his word, that is where the church is. As Anglicans, our articles of religion affirm this when it says, how can you tell where the church is? It's where the gospel is faithfully preached and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper are rightly and duly administered according to Christ's ordinance. That's how you can identify the church. It's not an institutional outlook. It's much more dynamic than that. And so it's not as if when he talks about the body, of being various parts of the body, he's not saying, well, the Advent, they're the feet, and St. Mary's on the highlands, they're the ears, and St. Luke's, they're the eyes, and whoever else, they're this body part. No, he's saying, as he says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. He's talking about the congregation in Corinth, and so here this morning, he's speaking to us now in this context, as God's gathered people to church. So that's what he means by the body. And he's saying that all of you are one in Christ. And God gives gifts to each as he wills. But these gifts are not a sign of spiritual elitism. It's not as if you can say, well, that person is a lot more gifted than I am, which is exactly what we all do. But I remember I had a family member that would often pray, uh, Lord, uh, give us uh, a heart like Methodists, uh, give us an enthusiasm like Baptists, and give us the feet of the Mormons. <laughs> right? And sort of, you know, that's, we, we think in those terms, but Paul is saying, no, 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 no. 
that there aren't uh, great, there are, well, we're going to get to that in a minute, uh, but it's not as if anybody can say, because I possess this gift, I'm of more significance. Or because I don't possess that gift, I'm of less significance. Because we're told in verse 13 that for one, in one spirit we were all baptized and into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. That when you come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it means the spirit has already come to dwell within you. And so the same spirit that dwells within the person who you might think of as a spiritual giant is the same spirit that dwells within you. And it's not as if the spirit manifests himself a little bit more in that person and a little bit less in you, but in the same way that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's spirit dwells within you and he's gifted you full stop. That's the fact of the matter. So we can't sit around and say, well, the real evidence of the spirit living within you is that this certain spiritual gift will be manifested in your life. Because if that's true, that means that if that spiritual gift doesn't manifest itself in your life, it means you're not saved. But Paul here is telling us, no, no, no. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And all were made to drink of one spirit. That if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have God's spirit living within you. And so it is in this context, he addresses two kinds of people. He's going after two types of people in the life of the Corinthian church. And we already kind of know something about each of them. But the first one he goes after is what I'm going to call the downhearted. This is the person who says in the life of the church, I don't belong. In verse 15, Paul writes, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, and that would not make it any less a part of the body. That is, there are people who say, I really don't have much of any gift, if any gift at all. Or you might hear people, I hear it around the Advent, well, I'm not a part of the inner circle. That's the kind of people Paul's addressing here. And by the way, if you find the inner circle, I'd love to meet them. It would be really great to know who's running the show around here. And in fact, I've gotten in the habit of saying, is, I mean, what's going on with the lighting project? I say, you should ask the inner circle. Because they know what's going on. But this is the person who feels like they're on the edge, like they're standing on the outside of the congregation looking in. And they don't feel that they have any worthwhile contribution to make to the body. But this person fails to hear what God has to say to them here in 1 Corinthians. In the first instance, they fail to understand the contribution of the individual to the life of God's church. Paul has just told us, if a a foot doesn't say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. But in fact, everybody contributes something. And the importance of the individual in the life of God's people ought not to be underestimated. And so these people fail to understand the contribution that they have to make for the good of God's people. Secondly, they fail to recognize God's sovereignty in raising up people and their gifts in the life of the church. As I've just read in verse 11, Paul says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In this morning in verse 18, where Paul says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So when you say, 
I haven't any gifts worth having. You're actually insulting God. God has determined the gifts you have or do not have. He chose them for you. And we know that God will never fail his child or his church. That if God's church needs something or if you or I need something, he's going to provide it. He's going to give it to you. And so if you say, I really have nothing to offer, you're actually insulting God. And saying, God, I don't believe that you can use me to edify your body, the church. Thirdly, these type of people think that there ought to be an unvaried sameness in the life of the church. But if we were all the same, it would be no body at all. I think if every, I know this is hard to believe, but what if all of you wanted to be like me? (laughs) We'd have a whole lot of feet. I mean, what kind of body would that be if all of us were eyes or all of us were hands or all of us were the same body part? That is no body at all. And God is very clear that it's not about unvaried sameness. It's fine to aspire and to seek and to model our lives off of other Christian believers, but to understand that God actually might want you to be an ear, that God might want you to be an eye. And fourthly, these people fail to look beyond themselves to the common good. You begin to be very introspective and you start navel-gazing. And you start worrying so much about yourself and whether or not God has actually gifted you and what you can contribute to the church, if anything at all. But don't allow yourself to evaluate your own life in terms of spiritual gifts. But rather, you should evaluate yourself as being in Christ. That's the important point that Paul is trying to make. If you want to see how strong a Christian you are, you don't look, how am I gifted? But you ask, how am I in Christ? And if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to be in Christ, it means being rooted in God's word incarnate, Jesus himself, as well as God's word written. That's what it means. That's how you evaluate yourself. That's how you know that you're in Christ because if you're sitting around saying, well, I don't know that God loves me because he hasn't given me this gift or that gift, you're going to go crazy. But in fact, you look, am I in Christ? And if you're in Christ, you have everything. And so it doesn't matter if I do little things or big things. What matters is that I am in Christ Jesus. That's the point that is being made here. That my significance lies in Christ, not in my gifting. But there's another group that Paul addresses this morning that misunderstands spiritual gifting. And it's the opposite of the downhearted outsider. It's the arrogant insider. And we read about them in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Uh, I remember being in seminary, and I ran into these people every once in a while. And these were the people who tended not to go to class, uh, that tended to go their own way. And I was talking to them one time, and they said, you know, I don't really need the Bible or teachers or seminary because I know that God has called me and that he'll equip me and that I have the Holy Spirit living within me. Well, that's exactly the problem that Paul is addressing. To think that you can simply go it alone 
And that God has gifted you in such a way that you have no need of anybody else in your life. Because every ministry has value. The point Paul is making is that it's about the health of the whole body. It's about what the body can do for the individual. And it's about what the individual can do for the body. Because we've been given these gifts for a very specific purpose. And that is to care for one another and to see the gospel go out to the ends of the earth. It's for the edification of the body. Not for the self. Nor is it for the whole in total. God has given the gifts in such a way that honor is given to the unimportant and modesty is given to the important, as we see in verse 25. Paul speaks to both ends of the spectrum, and both have failed dismally to understand what it means to have the Spirit living within them and for the gifts of God to be manifested in their life. And now Paul says, that you know the truth about how God operates in the life of his people, he gets to 27, where he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so what he wants them to know, because of course he's just come from talking about the Lord's Supper, and you remember how some were eating and even getting drunk, and, and, and then there were people who were left on the outside and they weren't being considerate of one another. Paul hammers away the point here in just one verse that their coming together is not just a meeting of folks randomly in Corinth or even for us this morning that this is not just a meeting of people from Birmingham. This is a heavenly gathering, the body of Christ. And we must not fail to see and understand the significance of our meeting together as brothers and sisters. Do not despise this gathering. Do not ignore this gathering. Do not underestimate this gathering. And do not neglect to come together. The world will ignore and neglect us, but we should not. When you don't come to church, your absence is felt. Your lack of contribution is felt. We are all weakened when any brother or sister does not come along and exercise the gifts that God has given to them, giving themselves to one another. And so we need to stop thinking about ourselves and to think of us as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, how many times have we had the narrative in our own minds on a Sunday morning of, you know, I just don't want to go to church this morning. You know, I really didn't get anything out of it last week. Or as we say in my family, we're just not feeling it this morning. Well, what we fail to recognize is what Paul is talking about. Maybe you're not supposed to go to church for yourself. Did it ever occur to us that we actually go to church for one another? And that your absence actually is to the diminishment of the spiritual well-being of your brothers and sisters. You may think that you don't need us, but the fact of the matter is that the church needs you. It would it be like if one day your hand stopped working, or your foot, or your eye, or your ear, or your nose? You'd feel it, wouldn't you? 
In the same way, God calls us all together as his people to exercise the gifts that he's given us. And so if you're the person out there this morning who says, well, God hasn't really gifted me with anything. Well, we know that's a lie. And there's no gift that is too small. One of my favorite stories is the one that happened in Beaufort, South Carolina, where there was a lady who came up to me after I was preaching on a passage. It might have even been this one. And she said, well, I don't have any gifts. And I said, well, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. (laughs) And she kind of looked at me and she said, and she said, what do you mean by that? And I said, God has obviously gifted you with something. And she said, and I said, what is it that you do well? Well, I make really great lasagna. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to turn that into a ministry. You know, there wasn't a baby born. Someone died. Someone was going through a hard time where she didn't bring a lasagna to them. It became famous in Beaufort. And you know, as she began to do that, more than just bringing the lasagna, she she began, can I pray with you? Can I, can I tell you about the comfort that I have in the Lord Jesus? And, and you know that as I made this lasagna, I was praying for you by name. Well, I can't do anything. All I can do is make lasagna. Well, that lasagna made eternal differences in the lives of so many people in Beaufort. So don't say to yourself the lie that the devil wants you to, to think is true. Well, I don't bring anything to the table because God in his sovereignty has given you something to edify his church. And if you're the person this morning that says, well, I'm just above all this and I don't really need the church. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Me and Jesus, we got it figured out. Well, that's a lie, too, because we need one another. And when you don't come into the life of the church, it's the diminishment of the believers. Because we need to understand that what we're doing this morning is God's body, the church of Christ, the heavenly gathering being made manifest here on earth. We're not just here to socialize or to hang out, but we're called upon to not underestimate what God can do in our midst. And that when we come together, the risen Lord Jesus Christ himself dwells amongst us and manifests himself in the lives of one another and in the praises of his people. That we might be one body. Yes, different parts doing different things, but one body for the good of one another, but above all, for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, some of us in here are confused. We don't know what part of the body we are, and if it is, it's surely something that is small and insignificant. Lord, I confess that sometimes I feel like I'm the the appendix. But Lord, uh, we pray that you would open our eyes to the truth of how you work in our lives. And, Lord, that we really would seek the greater gifts. Lord, knowing and trusting in you that, Lord, if we need something in the life of our congregation, that you have the power to raise it up and that we might have our hearts open to you raising us up. And, Lord, for those of us who want to go it alone, that we would realize that a foot can't go it alone, that we need the rest of the body. And so, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, that we would understand who we are as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we are a part of that great heavenly gathering that is clothed in white, washed in the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.